switched on on F104 and I'm joined by photographer Mark Maguire. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on, Louise. Thank you so much for chatting to me. So I did mention you're a photographer. I've come across your page down to your photography, but we're talking not about photography, but about the fact that you went and you climbed Kilimanjaro. Yeah, that was my crazy uh, thing for turning 40. I decided to go Kilimanjaro to torture myself. But it looked unbelievable. From the photos that I saw, it looked unbelievable. But what kind of process or planning goes into something like that? God, I've been planning it now since January 2022. So um, obviously there's a huge financial outlay to it. There's a big cost to doing it. And then also the gear. The gear costs a lot of money. You need obviously specialised gear, different, like, you know, really expensive down jackets Mm -hmm. and certain sleeping bags for the cold. But then there was a big training regime I kind of put myself into to try and get myself fit. So I've done a lot of running. I actually worked it out before I left. I think I ran something like 800 kilometres over the near two years and hiked about six or 700 kilometres on the Irish mountains just to get myself ready. Yeah. Um, so really kind of strict training regime I put myself into. I tried to eat really well to lose weight because my logic was if I, I lost about a stone, stone and a half. And I thought, well, that's one less stone and a half I have to carry up this bloody mountain. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there, was, there was there was me- there was method to my madness. It makes sense. But it is the yeah. highest single freestanding mountain above sea level. Did you know what you were in for when you were at the bottom of it? Possibly not. I know look, I knew it was going to be tough, but like, when you hear people going up, but I think you just hear the success stories and how 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 well it went and maybe that lulls you into a false sense of security because mm-hmm. it was in- incredibly tough up there the altitude is, is such a is such a killer i mean you're you you walk at a snail's pace and are out of breath so, i mean the pace you walk at looks like you're, it's exaggerated it's exaggeratedly slow mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't go any faster and when you step up your heart is beating out of your chest and you're struggling to catch your breath so it's um it's quite intense and the environment's quite harsh as well um i, I, I was saying to you earlier the dust the dust really, really got to me. There's a lot of dust blowing around, so it's quite a dirty, kind of inhospitable environment up there. Like plant life and trees can't grow, so it's very, um, it's a very harsh environment. Is what I'd say to you. And the sun is so intense during the day, um, and and you're just you're being affected by altitude, different headaches, pain, sensations coming into you, and a lot of kind of anxiety and worry. I think I, I you, I went through a mental battle. I didn't think I, was, I wasn't really prepared for. It. I wasn't really aware of what was going to happen on it as well. How do you deal with that? Um, I used my family. I just, I kept chanting my children's names in my head to get through every <laughs> step. Um, I found, I think when I, we on one of the days we went and did a, an acclimatization hike and we went up over 4,600 metres, which is what, about 15,500 foot. And when I went up to that height, I got a really intense headache, um, shooting pains going down the side of my head and down my neck. Um, and I just started feeling generally unwell and it kind of knocked me a bit. I was thinking, oh, my God, can I make the top? You know, they felt all the pressure and the worry about would you make it or would you not? And a lot of people in my group started getting sick. They like they were vomiting and diarrhea started going through the camp, which is oh. is, a, is a consequence of altitude. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gets in on your skin. So I just kind of tried to keep thinking of my kids, thinking of my wife, my kids and trying to remind myself of happy things just to get my mindset positive because very hard to sleep when you're up there as well the altitude really affects your breathing and you, you get kind of all bunged up and congested so you're not sleeping great as well which kind of gets in at you um so i just I, I just kept going to happy place kept thinking of my son kept thinking of my daughter and then when i was stepping i was literally going the names are katie and kieran i was going katie kieran katie kieran and it was just helped me to smile and get into a positive mindset mm-hmm. which i think drove which helped to drive me on and you know, you almost have to disconnect from what's happening outside and kind of go in for a little bit i'm assuming 
you kind of do, you really do. And like even when we went to the last camp, we went to the last base camp, and as you're going up to that, it's it's quite frightening because as you're approaching the last base camp, they're bringing people off the mountain that have got high altitude sickness, so they're oh, wow. just unconscious, being dragged down off the mountain. And you kind of, when you look at them, it's very hard not to get affected by it just because their expressions and you're seeing the helicopters coming in and medevacking people off the mountain. So when you're seeing that, I think you kind of glance over them and then you try and look away really quickly so that it doesn't get into your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, once you see them, it kind of gets in on your skin. You're kind of thinking, geez, I hope that's not me. But all you can do is, we, we were lucky, the group we had, we had a doctor with us and the doctor was fantastic. The doctor was really good at talking to us and and going through all of our symptoms and what was happening to us and telling us what, what it was at and how to manage it. So it was a very reassuring thing having the doctor there as well. Yeah, that's very helpful, actually, to kind mm. of put it into perspective and into, you know, reality that, OK, you most likely won't end up like this. This is just something that could happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen to you. So it's always nice yeah. to have that kind of reassurance. How many base camps did you um, stop at before getting to the top? Well, we did five camps before getting to the top so we, we were climbing for five days and on the last on the fifth day we climbed up a thousand meters so about the equivalent of Karen Tool okay. up to the last up to the last base camp and we got unlucky when we got up there it was quite stormy it was really heavy wind the tent was being the tents were being blown over we had to pull them down um, and we then we got there around lunchtime maybe one o'clock and we had a bit of lunch and we were told to just hunker down and get ready to go at it at midnight so we had the wow. summit at midnight um, into the sixth day so we didn't really get any sleep and we climbed through the night from that fifth camp and um, so we ended midnight and i was lucky enough i got up there first out of the group i got up for half six in the morning it took six and a half hours to do the last stretch and we went up in minus 22 degrees wind chill wow, it was goodness. absolutely and it was antarctic it was, it's the only way i can describe it it was it was beyond cold all of the water i had two big nalgenes of of water and I had a camelback with a hose coming out and they all froze solid on me. <gasps> Everything was gone. I couldn't access the water. They froze solid. Um, and we went up then from the fifth camp for six and a half hours and thankfully got up for sunrise, just watched the sunrise up off the crater at the top. Gorgeous. Oh, it was magic. Was it mad doing it in the dark? Yeah. Do you know what? It, I think it benefited because you couldn't see ahead. Of, I know that sounds weird, but you know, I, can get I think it, it kind yeah. of I think it kind of helped for me to just go into my head and, and mm. the group I was with, there were 16 of us set off and we ended up splitting unintentionally into two groups. There was a lot of illness happening on the last day or on the last climb. So I think in the dark, I kind of pulled ahead in the first group just out of coincidence. And I think it helped me not to see as much of what was happening around me so that didn't get in at me as well. And then you just could just keep your head down and focus on each step, one step at a time because six and a half hours is a, is a long time of trudging in the dark at minus 22. Absolutely. Um, and as and, and at that stage, all of the well, the, for me personally, all of the altitude was hitting me, and I was getting really bad headaches and mm. was starting to feel unwell. And you're kind of just trying to motivate yourself up. So I think if I could have seen how far the the piece away was, I think it probably would have demoralized me a little bit. So I think I was happy in the dark, just trudging along, and the mm-hmm. with my head torch shining, yeah. just shining my footsteps in front <laughs> of me, and and listening to the porters singing and chanting as we were going up. They kind of really helped motivate us up as well. What was it like when you reached the top? Oh God! Um, I just wanted to cry. It was a really, it was a really strong emotion. It was pure joy. I, I, that's the best way I can describe it. It was like it was just pure joy because when you get up onto the top of Kilimanjaro, it is a volcano, so it's a big circular crater. Mm-hmm. And when I got up, it was the first time I really took a good look back, and I could see. I just probably hit the top of the crater about six a.m. and the sunrise was half six, 
And when I looked back, I could just see the pre-dawn glow all over Africa. And it was, it was just magic, absolutely magical. I, I actually can't even think of a word to describe how, how beautiful the scene was to look out at. And when you're up that high, it's like looking out a plane window. I can't compare it to anything in Ireland. You're, you're so high, it's like looking out the window of a plane so you can see so far and just this gorgeous pre-dawn glow. And the joy kind of comes over you and you just, I don't know, you, you nearly forget where you are and how unwell you're feeling because it's just such a feeling of elation. Really, really, really positive feeling. Um, it's gorgeous. It was really, really nice. If you could bottle it and sell it, you'd be a millionaire. Would you do it again? Absolutely, yeah, 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 in, a, in a heartbeat. Just to get back to the people. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get back to the Tanzanian people. They were they were just magic. Obviously, I'd love to go back up there and, and see it again and do the whole journey again. But I, I, I killed to spend more time with the Tanzanian people. It was my first time in Africa and they, they absolutely blew me away. They, they really did. The porters and the guides were... I don't know, you hear, you know, when you see documentaries on Everest and things and you hear about the Sherpas and they're in the background doing all the really hard work. Mm-hmm. That really is the case. And on Kilimanjaro, all of the local Tanzanian people and the porters and the guides are, are, are really the heroes in the background driving us up. And, and obviously being part of a group is great as well. We've really, really good people in the group all helping to motivate each other. So I, I just loved that whole experience, all the camaraderie, all the different bonding that went on. That's very unique to an intense experience like that. You know, yeah. there's such fabulous bonds and connections made when you're in such an intense situation it was it was a really special time it really, really was them all and the porters and everything making sure you get there and get there safe they, they were amazing honestly Louise like the, the last day they usually carry their own weight they carry over 20 kilos on their back and some of them are carrying wow. things on their heads but on the last day more of them came up to join us and it was like they had us all marked for support and they all targeted us one at a time and they were singing and ch- they sing all these lovely like songs to the mountain in, in Swahili, really motivate you. And then as soon as you stop, because we couldn't do it, I had five layers on top of me, I had two sets of gloves on, loads of hats <laughs> and things. You're, you're like the Michelin man going up. And they they went up without bags or anything on and followed us, because they're all acclimatized, so they followed us up. And the minute you stop, they're pulling out your water bottle, trying to break the ice off it, trying to get liquid into you, looking for tablets, if you need tablets that are on you, looking for food. Wow. really trying to help you encouraging you know Pat, come on you can do it you know offering to take your bag and carry your bag because they all went up the last day without bags and um, you know there was one of the poor guys lost his vision at the top and they were like two arms under him holding him down nearly carrying him down the mountain like they pick you up and lift you if, they, if you needed to wow, they were just spectacular and they did it they did it with a smile on their face with genuine care and goodness in their hearts is what i can say to you like i've, I've never i've never met people with as genuine care and consideration for other people as as they had. They were just beautiful souls. We could probably take a lesson from that. Or a hundred percent. Really, mm. it, it'll stay with me for life. Their their value system, their way of interacting with other people, how how they are as people and with each other was was something special to 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 witness and to be lucky enough to benefit from. And you did this whole climb for Epilepsy Ireland as well, didn't you? Did this for Epilepsy Ireland, yeah. My uh, son um, was diagnosed with epilepsy coming up on near two years ago now. Um, he was only six at the time. Um, so he, he he had a medical incident at home. We, we thought he was having a stroke, actually, at the time. And after a week or so of examinations in Tala, they were fantastic in Tala Hospital, um, he was diagnosed with a, with a form of epilepsy. So I just when I was going at this, I just felt I had something really close to the heart and something that I was... I was passionately motivated about epilepsy ireland being fantastic support to us mm-hmm. we were trying to learn all about this and there's such a great service helping us 
we find ourselves kind of teaching his school or teaching clubs he's at about epilepsy while we're trying to learn one day the next day we're we're, we're learning on a Monday and we're teachers on a Tuesday yeah. if that makes sense you know Absolutely. so uh, you're, you're learning very quickly and then trying to teach on the other hand because you're trying to allay kind of, or manage the concerns and worries of the places he's going to and you're also trying to learn about it yourself but Epilepsy Ireland which are just such a fantastic organization um, and I've no affiliation to them I've just used them as a as a parent struggling to adapt to the situation myself and they've just been absolutely fantastic and um, so I wanted to give something back to them and, and thank them in some way shape or form for just all they've done for us as a family they've just really helped us dealing with obviously a really difficult situation nobody wants to even see their child have a cold or sniffles or anything like that and so with something like this they've just really really helped to make a a very difficult situation much much more manageable is there anywhere people can support you yeah the donation page is still active until next thursday so Mm -hmm. that the seventh is it um, so it's literally if you were going to I, I donate forward slash Killy for Kieran. So Killy, K-I-L-I, the number four, and then Kieran and I-R-C-I-A-R-A-N. And so it's just I donate forward slash Killy for Kieran. Um, and, and people have been fantastic so far. And um, we've got it, I think I think I've raised just nearly eight thousand three hundred euros so far. Amazing. If we could round it up to ten, if we could round it up to ten grand now, wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. But that was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. Congratulations. Well done. I don't know if I'd be able for it. So that it's it's unbelievable. Mark McGuire, thank you so much for chatting to us. No problem at all. Thank you for having me on.